The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. But you know what? It's been making news all day. The results of a year-long investigation by more than 120 journalists from nine universities and 10 media organizations, including Global News. It has revealed that hundreds of thousands of Canadians could be consuming tap water with high levels of lead leaching from aging plumbing and infrastructure. We will talk with EPCOR coming up. But right now, we're joined by Global News investigative journalist Mike D'Souza. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, let's start by uh, telling us a little bit about this investigation. What was done over the past year by you and your fellow journalists to to come up with the results from this investigation? Yeah, so it started with simple questions that we were asking, uh, working with, with all, the, all of the journalism schools across the country. They, they started with, like, I guess you could call them surveys, survey questions, just asking basic information about what different cities or water utilities knew about, uh, say, for example, the, the number of lead pipes that are underground on, on their territory. Uh, questions about what kind of sampling they had done and, and test results of those samplings. In a lot of cases, the answers weren't necessarily forthcoming. Mm. Uh, the the a lot of them just told us, you know, we we won't give this information. You should ask for for it through Freedom of Information, <laughs> um, and and we we proceeded to do that. Um, you know, with with Epcor, there were some there were some in in, in Edmonton in your neck of the woods. We had filed. Uh, you know, they are a private utility. Part of part of them is, is covered under Freedom of Information. We had asked for some of the data about lead pipes, and then got a response saying we're not gonna we're not gonna answer these questions because the information you're asking for isn't actually covered under Freedom of Information. Oh. We persisted, and we kept asking them. At one point in June, they told um, they told our, our uh, journalists and, and, and some of the student journalists that. Uh, when we were specifically asking about the testing data that, well, it's complicated information, they were saying, and we're not sure if uh, it might be misinterpreted if we release it. Eventually, a couple of months later, we got the full data set. They decided finally to give it to us. Mm -hmm. And it was then that we saw that, you know, they had been publishing information in their annual reports about averages, but they had never been telling people what were the maximum levels, and that's where we saw some very high numbers, like a level as high as, I think, 594 parts per billion in uh, 2008. I think a couple of years ago, there was there was uh, lead levels in the 400s that were found in another home in, in Edmonton. Uh, so this is well above, you know, 100 times above the uh, the safety limit right now that, that, that Health Canada recommends of five. So this is significant information that, you know, we're just getting a handle on. Um, and our, our objective was to make sure that this sort of information is getting into the public domain so the public can see. And, you know, we've asked at the same time that, that utilities, uh, whether they plan to proactively put out this information. And in a lot of cases, they're starting to work on different plans, or at least tell us that they're starting to do it, which is a situation that if you look at the rules and regulations that exist in the United States, um, there is, there does seem to be more transparency there about uh, what kind of information people are getting. So, um, so 
Yeah. yeah, no, Mike, so from what I understand, Ontario is the only province that, that makes data on lead levels public. Why Why mm-hmm. is that? I mean, there's a, there's there's federal rules, I'm sure, but then is it up to the, the, the province to, you know, do what it wants after that? Um, that's, that's sort of the way it works. I mean, uh, you know, it, through our reporting, we, we found I think Health Canada does have power to regulate more if it wanted to. The approach it has chosen to do is, is introducing guidelines and then working with the provinces to try to convince them to implement those guidelines with their own regulations to meet their own unique circumstances. I think, you know, Ontario has been ahead of the rest of the country ever since Walkerton and and its response to Walkerton. It started to design different legislation and rules to be more proactive on this. So that's, you know, perhaps one of the reasons why they, they might be ahead of the rest of the country in terms of requesting the data and posting it. But, you know, we were seeing in, in Alberta, like for Edmonton and Calgary, uh, Edmonton in particular, you know, we found out that the province the health department or, or any of the other departments that would be concerned about the public health implications, they had never requested the data from EPCOR um, to, to get their raw data. Now they have introduced new guidelines or a new guidance document that does require uh, utilities like EPCOR and other cities in Alberta to report this information. It's not entirely clear yet what level of detail we will get and how that will be made public. But I, I, I presume if, if, if people start to read our reporting now and are asking more questions to their governments about it, it might be that public pressure is is what's going to lead uh, to more transparency here. Well, I think one, that's one of the interesting things, Mike, is I think probably a majority of Canadians didn't even think about this. This hadn't even crossed their minds. Did you did you hear any of that when you were going door to door? Certainly, yeah. I mean, I mean uh, to be clear, the students did a lot of the door-to-door work, and, you know, I want to be sure to give them credit for, for knocking on more than, you know, I think close to a 1,000 doors across the country, uh, uh, which is not easy work to, to, to ask people about their water. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's, it, but, yeah, I mean, um, there was a lot of surprise. We, we, you know, were looking in some cases, we got data through the Freedom of Information request that was indicating what kind of testing results were, were coming back, at least from the official city testing. Yeah. And then we did our own testing. Um, and you, know, you did we, it differently, we, didn't you? Um, it, well, we followed the advice of scientists uh, to, to follow different protocols to measure actual exposure, what what people would get if, if, if they're taking, you know, trying to take samples that would reflect what people are, are, are consuming when they use their water for drinking or for cooking. So, you know, through those measures, yes, we did find some levels that were higher uh, than, than what cities had told people. I mean, particularly in Quebec, with, where there's different testing methods that are designed in a way to, to search for lead service lines instead of searching for the exposure. Mm. Um, you know, I think what we saw in, in, in other places is that when the results came back, it wasn't clear what cities were doing to inform people about what the results meant yeah. and that people were confused and not necessarily well informed. So th- this is, you know, one of the one of the key findings, I think, also of the investigation is how governments communicate this yeah. issue with people. There are some some inadequacies or flaws that I guess, the, if you want to use that word, that, that we could see from from coast to coast and and, and all of the um, 
policy utilities say this isn't supposed to be part of their practices. They say they're reviewing, you know, what, what we've shown them and the examples we've given them. And um, they say that they hope to address them if, if, if they do confirm and find those kind of problems on their own end as well. So, they're, you know, hopefully they can address them. But in the, in the long run, the removal of these lead pipes would uh, probably cost a small fortune right across the country. Um, having said that, I mean, the health side of this is incredibly important. And the awareness that this study and this investigation has shone on that is incredibly important. But, you know, we keep hearing about how much it's going to cost. And in some cases, um, the Cities not even sure. Cities aren't even sure where to start. Where these lead pipes are found. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. Again, one of the key findings is in terms of how cities from coast to coast have been tracking this. Um, you know, perhaps their record keeping isn't as as as. Uh, as far advanced as it should be to be able to address this problem rapidly. So, yes, there is a cost. Um, you know, our reporting has also shown, um, you know, based on when, when Health Canada was most recently reviewing, uh, reviewing uh, whether to lower the standard or their guideline, recommended guideline, which they ended up doing, they found that the cost, uh, the savings that you make are, you know, more than pay for the cost of, of removing these pipes. So, yeah, there there is a cost, but the long-term cost in terms of when, when you end up with children that are exposed mm-hmm. to high levels of lead and it affects their IQ, their behavior and other issues, older people that uh, adults, um, uh, you know, who might face issues like heart disease uh, or or high blood pressure, um, these these sorts of issues, you know, there is a cost to them as well that 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 needs to be factored in based on what we looked at. Um, I would say though that you know while we're working on plans or while cities are working on plans to remove the lead, which as you mentioned is is the ultimate solution. Um, you know, I don't want to also give people the impression that they need to flock to the grocery <laughs> store and stock up on bottled water <laughs> right now because there are other solutions that people can tackle in the short term. There's filters yes. that you can buy that can remove all of the lead. And so there's different certifications. NSF 53, NSF 58 are the two certifications for filters, whether it's in a pitcher of bottled water or a filter you can put on your tap. And this will protect you in, in, in the short term, remove the lead if, if you are concerned right now. I'd also recommend, you know, we've been getting a lot of emails since the morning, I, I think dozens of emails of people asking, what can I do to test my water? Is my water safe? And the answer to that question is, you know, the first call that I, that I recommend people make, I mean, if they're listening in Edmonton, they can call EPCOR, yeah. uh, give them their address, and EPCOR can search and determine whether within their system uh, there's, there's no lead service lines there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can get the information also from EPCOR about how to go about the test. Uh, there. And, and, and so it varies from city to city where some are, uh, some are offering free testing, some are not. Okay. Um, you know, they can write to us too. And, you know, maybe in the next phase of our reporting, uh, you know, we might be able to drop by and do some testing of our own, uh, again, or additional testing of our own uh, in, in, in many neighbors, neighborhoods of Canada. Mike D'Souza joining me this afternoon, Global News investigative journalist, uh, a part of this team that uh, revealed uh, these numbers in uh, the, the, the lead numbers uh, in, in water across the country. Mike, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. Keep up the good work. 
My pleasure. Thanks very much. Yeah, Mike DeSusan, you can read more about uh, about that study at uh, globalnews.ca or 630ched.com. We'll take a break here when we come back. Steve Crake, EPCOR's Director of Quality Assurance and Environment. He'll uh, join us next on 630 Ched Afternoons.